Well, allow me to add my word of welcome to you all as this is the Sunday after Easter. Last weekend, we celebrated probably the pivotal moment in our faith. We, we tend to put a lot of attention on Christmas, that time when Jesus came as a baby in the manger. But honestly, Easter is the bigger holiday because it's at Easter that we celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is something that um, the whole Old Testament has been pointing us toward. This is something that we as Christians look back to as the source of our hope and our assurance. But it also then raises a question, what do we do now? You see, the reason I ask that question is because I remember when a non-Christian friend of mine, shortly after I came to faith, asked me that very question. He said, okay, great. So you're a Christian. Now what? I mean, you're saved, right? That's what you believe. But what then? What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to live? Have you really thought that through? And honestly, I think that's an important question for all of us as Christians to wrestle with in light of Easter is how do we live now? And it's important because it's actually something that the gospel writer Luke wanted to draw our attention to. I think many people forget that he actually wrote two books in our New Testament, his gospel, which is the gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts. And Acts is really part two of that story that he was telling and that he started to tell in the gospels. And I want you to listen to specifically what he says at the very beginning of that book. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. You see, what Luke is saying is that Easter is just the beginning. As, as crazy as that sounds, what he says is that everything that we were looking forward to all through the Old Testament and all these things that Jesus was promising in the Gospels, everything that took place on that Easter Sunday, that's just the start. It's the beginning of the story. It ultimately points us to the fact that there's more work to be done, that the story is still being told. And so that question of what do we do now is actually a question that the gospel writers wanted us to ask. It was actually an expectation that Jesus had for us. We aren't simply supposed to get to Easter and say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. No, we're supposed to actually have an answer to that question. Alleluia. And then we go. But toward what end? For what purpose? And that's really what I want us to focus on this weekend. As we take a closer look at Acts chapter 1, where Jesus gives some final instructions to his disciples. Instructions which are meant to direct them from Easter forward until the day that he comes again. So let's go ahead and set the scene for a moment. Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. His disciples are overjoyed and he spent about 40 days with them, teaching them, uh, giving them further instructions, preparing them for what's next. And then we get to Acts chapter one, and this is what we find. Jesus gathers together with his disciples and they ask him a question. This is what they say in verse six. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Now, this is important because the disciples, what this tells us about them is that they're still thinking in worldly terms. Yes, they're excited about Easter. They're thrilled to have their friend, their Lord, their rabbi, their master back uh, from the dead. But they're still thinking in terms of physical kingdoms and physical borders. They're still thinking that Jesus is now going to establish some sort of actual kingdom in which he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire and deliver his people from slavery uh, and oppression underneath Rome. And, And what Jesus says is he says, that's not what this is all about. It's not just about rejoicing in Easter and then going back to the plans you had before. It's not just about rejoicing in Easter and carrying on with the agenda that was already in place. Jesus says Easter redefines absolutely everything. I actually love how the noted uh, British preacher and commentator John Stott highlights that there are really three aspects to Jesus' kingdom agenda that we need to wrestle with, that Jesus unveils in this passage. This is the first thing that Jesus says in verses 5 and 8. He says this, he says, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And later on, in answer to their question, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, the first thing that we have to understand about Jesus' kingdom agenda is that his rule is set up in the lives of his followers by the Holy Spirit. His rule is set up in the lives of his followers by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't establish it with physical walls and physical borders. Rather, his reign as king begins in the heart with those who call him Lord and Master. What Jesus is saying is he's saying your lives now have to be defined by a greater kingdom agenda. One in which you are transformed from the inside out. Whereas you encounter people, what they're encountering through you is my Holy Spirit, God at work in their lives. And that forces us to ask a question. And that question is this, where does our allegiance truly lie? Does our allegiance lie in the things that we've given all of our hopes and dreams and desires to in this world? Whether it's our country of origin or the jobs that we have and pursue, the communities we live in, or... Is our allegiance ultimately determined by Jesus and by his kingdom? When people look at us, can they tell where our priorities really are? Are we looking, living, and loving more like Jesus? When people encounter you, when they encounter me, do they get a sense that they're coming into contact with this Savior who died for them and who rose again? I see that's the question we have to wrestle with. And the only way that we are really going to know if we're being shaped by Jesus and his priorities is by spending time with him. Maybe that's the Easter egg that you really need to open is not just a plastic egg with some candy inside. Maybe it's God's word. Maybe it's going back and looking at the Gospels once more, getting reacquainted with this Jesus who is our Savior and asking ourselves the question, what would it look like if my life was modeled and patterned after his own? That's the first thing we have to understand. His rule is set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. 
The second thing we have to understand about his kingdom agenda is this. It is gradual in its expansion, but global in its scope. It's gradual in its expansion, but it's global in its scope. Jesus actually says that they are to be his witnesses to the very ends of the earth. But I love how it starts right where they are in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. But it ultimately has this scope in in that it's meant for all people. I love that this is coming right on the heels of this series that we were in in the book of Genesis, where we learned that God, when he called Abraham, wanted Abraham to become a blessing to all the families of the earth. You see, Jesus is saying that commission to Abraham is now continuing and moving forward through me to you as you go. Gradual in its expansion, but global in its scope. And again, I think that presents us with some questions. And that is, are we starting as witnesses where God has placed us? In the relationships that we already have with our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and yes, even the members of our family. Because that's where the mission begins. Furthermore, are we putting limits on the kingdom that Jesus himself doesn't have? Are we only sharing with certain kinds of people, with those that we already uh, know well or that we assume are more open than others? Or are we being the kind of people who are saying, wherever I go, whoever I meet, I want to give them a foretaste of the kingdom of God. I want them to understand who this Jesus is through how I interact with them, love them, serve them, and yes, talk with them. Are we sharing that message in the places where we live, work, and play? Because that's where the kingdom work starts, is right where you are, but then it expands outward. That's what we're called to do. This is meant to be good news for everyone. That then kind of brings us to the third thing that we need to wrestle with when it comes to Jesus and his kingdom agenda. It is spread through witnesses, not soldiers. It's spread through witnesses, not soldiers. You see, the disciples thought that this was going to be a military type of kingdom. But Jesus says, that's not my agenda. It's going to be spread through my witnesses, you, the people who've watched me, who've walked with me, who've experienced my kingdom in action. You're supposed to now go and tell people about what you yourselves have seen and heard. And this is important for us because I think sometimes when evangelism goes wrong, when witnessing goes wrong, it's because we try to do it by force. We try to coerce people into it or we try to shove the gospel down people's throats without actually listening to their questions and simply sharing what it is we ourselves have experienced about Jesus. But Jesus says, my kingdom agenda moves forward through witnesses, not soldiers. Through people who genuinely and authentically share what they've experienced rather than strong arming others or trying to shove the truth down their throat. And so I want to I pause here on this third point for a moment because as Easter people, who proclaim that Jesus is risen, he is risen indeed, I want us to really think about what it means to be a witness for a moment. I mean, I've already kind of said it. A witness is simply someone who shares what they've seen, heard, and experienced. That's it. They're not necessarily people who have degrees in theology, although a theology degree isn't a bad thing. They're not necessarily people who know everything about the Bible, though, yes, studying the Bible is important. Really, witnesses are people who share what they've experienced what they've come to know about Jesus. 
And there's so many times when I'm talking to Christians about this idea of being a witness and, and they get really uncomfortable. They start to say, oh, no, no, no that, that's not me. I'm not called to do that. But here's the thing. When Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, he's not asking us if we want to be or not. He's saying that's who we are. That means that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are now called to share what you know about him with those around you. It's not a polite suggestion or an offer. It's a command. Jesus is saying, this is who you now are. And so then we really have to wrestle with, with what that, the implications of that, what that means for our lives. I think the first thing we have to wrestle with is asking the question, so what are we witnessing to? I think part of the reason why so many Christians have a hard time sharing their faith is because, quite honestly, we're actually not experiencing the life that Christ has for us. I find it funny that, that we're willing to witness about a whole lot of stuff. We're willing to witness about the latest podcast we've been listening to, the latest net, the Netflix show that we've been binging on, what we saw on social media, the last vacation we took. But when it comes to Jesus, we're pretty silent. Maybe we're experiencing all kinds of things that we're excited to share about, but not experiencing the most important thing, which is a thriving relationship and life with Christ. I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. Maybe the thing that you need to do following Easter is to get back in touch with the God who rose again. To spend time in scripture studying his word, to spend time in prayer, to carve out time to join a small group and to get connected in community where together as God's people we're being formed and shaped around that story so that once again we're cultivating that deep abiding relationship with Jesus and that what we share is simply the overflow of the joy of Easter. Knowing that our savior is risen that he continues to go with us now by his Holy Spirit, that we get to experience his goodness each and every single day as we ask him to guide us, to direct us, to show us the ways in which we should go and experience the life that only he can give. The second question we have to ask is, who are we relying on? I think sometimes the reason we don't share is because we think it's all on us. We have to have the right answer. We need to be able to, to know how to deal with the toughest of objections. But what Jesus says, and what I, I love about what he says, is he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. See, Jesus tells us we're not alone. It's his Holy Spirit that we can rely upon. And what I think we fail to realize is that the Holy Spirit not only goes with us, he's already at work all around us in the lives of the people that he's sent us to. That in many ways he's opening doors and the question is, do we just have eyes to see it? I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversation with someone and suddenly the, the conversation just verges on the spiritual. It just kind of toe dips its way into the religious and in those moments I just kind of roll right beyond it. Oftentimes it's so subtle, we, we almost miss it. It's that conversation that you're having with a friend, right? You're, you're asking each other about life and your friend is like, yeah, you know, the kids are doing well, things are going fine at work. And, and, and I guess that, that, that everything's going pretty good. I, I guess this is what I've always wanted. That is an open door. That's an opportunity to lean in, to ask another question, to say, so wait a second, what is it that you're hoping for? Where did you hope to be? If, if life were truly being lived to its fullest, what would that look like for you? And you'd be amazed at what people would say. And the opportunities we have to point them to the one who alone has the ability to give our lives meaning and purpose, direction and value. 
do we have eyes to see how the Holy Spirit is, is opening doors and softening hearts all around us in those moments? Or maybe it's that moment when the person directly asks you, why is it that you take you wake, you wake up early on Sunday morning to go to church? Why is it that you take one of your weeknights and go to small group? Don't see that as just a chance to say, oh, well, we like seeing our friends or, oh, well, I was always raised going to church, so I guess we go on Sunday. No, tell them of the hope that you have. Why that matters for your life, the relationship that you have with Jesus, it's an open door that the Holy Spirit has given you to walk through. It's an opportunity to live out our calling as his witnesses right where we are. Don't shy away from them. In fact, pray for them. Ask God to give you opportunities to talk to those around you. And likewise, if you're sitting here and you're listening to this message and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm really convinced by this whole Jesus thing. I'm only checking out this message because somebody invited me to. Let me say something to you. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you too. You wouldn't be here listening to this message right now if it, he wasn't at, in some way pursuing you, desiring to start a relationship with you, inviting you to look closer and deeper, which it means don't just walk away from this message and do nothing with it. Take some time to truly explore. Take a closer look at who Jesus is. Ask the friend or family member who invited you to join them for, for worship or to check this sermon out or to tune into our podcast to pick up a Bible with you, to have another conversation, to go a little bit deeper. Because that's what Jesus desires. He doesn't just want us to celebrate Easter and then move on with our lives. Nor does he just want us to stand around staring into the sky, waiting for him to come back. In fact, that's what I love about how this story ends. It says this, that says that after Jesus said these things, he was taken up from their eyes. A cloud hid him from their sight and the disciples were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. The angels basically are saying this, he's on his throne now, so get going. I'm sure the disciples were standing there looking up and being like, well, what do you mean? Why are we standing here? Do you see what just happened? And the angel's like, yeah, we did. So now go tell people. Jesus is on his throne now and his desire is that we would go and tell others because he is going to come back someday. And he wants as many people to know the good news as possible. But that starts with us, where we are, being his witnesses, speaking about what we've seen, heard, and experienced through him, sharing the good news that isn't just for us, but is also for them having an opportunity to once more live on mission together as his people. So let's start now. Let's start this week. My invitation is actually to start with us as we continue to move forward, as we start a brand new series. We're kicking off a new series next week called Church Made for More, in which we're looking at exactly this question. How is it that we live as God's people on mission together? What is the more of church that we're invited to be a part of? Because it's not just about coming to a building or being a part of some social club. It's about being animated by a much bigger story, uh, being a part of a much larger community with a truly life-transforming purpose. And so come back and experience this with us. But don't leave Easter singing Jesus praises while you're within our four walls or at home. Take it out into the streets with you. Look for opportunities to join in the work that God is doing. Be witnesses, share about what you've experienced and pray. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to open doors so that we could go forward with Easter joy, sharing that joy and that hope with others so that more might experience the goodness of Easter. That's with that in mind, I wanted to invite you to join me as we pray together. Lord God, we give you so much thanks that we do celebrate Easter, that our Savior and our Lord, that you came, you lived, you died, and you have risen again. You are now seated at the right hand of your Father, and your desire is that all people would know that there's hope, forgiveness, and new life. But that starts with us. Lord, you redeemed us, you call us your own, and you say, now go with the same joy that I have given to you, not on your own strength, but empowered by my spirit because you don't go alone. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see where you, Holy Spirit, are at work, that we would rely not on ourselves, but on your power moving in us and through us and to those around us. And, Lord, that we would then step forward in faith walking through the doors that you are opening, entering into the conversations that you are initiating, and that we would do so in ways that point people to you, to the love and the grace and the forgiveness that you alone can give. That's the reason you came. That's the reason you died. That's the reason you rose again, was so that more and more people would come to know you, to live with you, to walk with you, and to experience the life that only you can give. It's to that end, Lord, that we say, Help us to live out our calling each and every day as your witnesses wherever you send us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.